Welcome to the Happy Place for Your Mind podcast. I'm Rachel, and this is a place to talk about life experiences, trauma, and everything regarding mental health. Since I don't really believe in small talk, let's just dive right into it. Growth chasers, welcome back. Before we even dive into this episode and I introduce you to who today's guest is, let me tell you, this episode can be triggering for anyone who has been in a toxic relationship, who has struggled to get out, is currently in a toxic relationship and doesn't know how to get out. This episode is going to hit your soul in so many different ways based on our guest story today. But I want all of you to know that this is your episode to be able to relate, to feel, to go through all the emotions. And really at the end of the day, this guest story, she is going to explain how she went from living a dream to living a nightmare to then waking up from both and defining what her reality is. So after that amazing intro, welcome Marissa. Hi, it's such a pleasure and honor to be here with you. I am finally so stoked that I convinced you to get on an episode because (laughs) for everyone listening right now, I have been trying to get her to do one for a little bit. And obviously everyone has to have their own timing and this is absolutely yours. So before we go into your journey, I want you to explain a little bit about yourself so people get to know a little about you. Definitely. I'm 32 years old. I grew up on Long Island. I still live on Long Island. And the last 10 years has been a wild, challenging, divinely guided ride. And the truth is, is the last two years is when I really figured out and stepped into who Marissa actually is. And the only way that I was able to get here was through starting therapy and getting out of a toxic relationship and diving into a healing and spiritual journey. So what I love is that you just brought up, you only really defined yourself two years ago. So I think everyone would love to hear then who were you prior to two years ago? Definitely. I was someone who was figuring things out. I was in my early twenties. Um, I was figuring out my career. I had been in, you know, a couple serious relationships, but I was in relationships where I was really the nurturer. I was taking care of the person and that's who I am. I love to take care of and, you know, make sure everyone's okay, but you lose yourself in those relationships because you're really just giving and giving and giving and you're not getting anything back. And then you feel like you're lost. And that's kind of where I was in my twenties. Um, so with past relationships, would you say you were more prone to being in relationships to almost feel loved, like being addicted to, Oh, I just want to be in that. Definitely. I love love. Mm -hmm. And even after everything I've been through, I just, I still love love. And I've always been that way. And I always want to see the best in people. And I think that's to a fault. Mm. A lot of people can absolutely relate to almost just trying to see the good in people. And even if you're in a relationship, 
you're looking for all the qualities that you love about that person. And most of the time we get into relationships off of what the previous person didn't have. So you can meet someone new and be like, oh, this is great. My ex was a poor communicator and this guy knows how to talk so much. But then you start to recognize because you were looking for that one thing that's missing. Now, all red flags don't seem as red because you're like, now I'm just getting what I want. So so have you been in situations prior where you maybe would go from a relationship to looking for the next person to have something that was missing in your past? Yes, for sure. The person that I dated before my eight year relationship, um, he was lacking that drive, that hustle, that ambition that I was looking for. So when I started to date my ex, we were on the same wavelength in terms of career. We really both wanted to be successful in our careers and um, travel and do all the things. So I felt like we really aligned in that way. And that was very much lacking in my previous relationship unknowing to me at that time, there was still so much lacking in this person, but I, I didn't know better then. And I loved him. So I, you know, I, we were together for eight years. It was a, okay. So now tell me about right now, we're about to dive into Marissa's journey when it comes to getting out of a, a toxic relationship. So for anyone listening, just be prepared that, you can, you can totally be in a relationship and this is where a lot of people get really confused and have a hard time understanding that how can someone that's independent, successful, be able to get almost like wrapped into the vortex of someone that then all of a sudden it's like, wait, this person doesn't seem to be who I thought they were, that this is going to be a ride for everyone to experience and also relate to and just Sometimes when we're in love, we don't see a lot of things that we should be seeing that we're blinded to. We don't want to see them. Right. You don't want to. So how did you start meeting? uh, How did you start dating your ex? We were childhood friends and we reconnected after college. He had just gotten out of a relationship, a pretty long-term relationship. I had gotten out of a relationship as well. And we reconnected and I was completely swept off my feet. When I think back to that time in my life, it it was magical. It was all encompassing. The the romance, the dinners, the the vacations. It was always over the top. And it you know, you get swept in. And I wanted to be swept in at that point. Of course. Point. Of course. And we were together for about four years before we got engaged. And the engagement was even more over the top and extravagant. And I remember on that day thinking that was the easiest yes. And that I was so lucky to have been chosen by this person. Mm. Oh, okay. So your words, obviously, just even saying lucky to be chosen, right? Like, tell me where your mind was that even just having that perspective of almost feeling as if maybe there was some doubt of not being chosen. I grew up thinking that you couldn't have it all. Mm -hmm. So if you had money and success, 
and a great family, then your love life suffered. Or, you know, one, something had to suffer. Like, you couldn't have it all. And for a long time, I put myself in the category of lacking love. And I, I don't know why, but I thought that that's what would be the thing that suffers for me in my life. And maybe that was a foreshadow, but... <laughs> And so when someone proposes marriage, that is such a commitment and a promise for the rest of your life. And I just felt so lucky. So were you someone that always wanted to be married or based on what you're saying, were you looking at it as, well, if I have the career, then I may not get that? Correct. I thought that because I had a career and I was focused on work that I would be lacking that category in my life. Um, so to have gotten it and like had this deep connection with this person, um, and then for him to propose, I was just like, wow, you know, how lucky am I? Well, yeah. And I feel like, you know, the proposal that you went through also had a lot of your loved ones involved as well. Yes. So that had to make it 10 times more special for you, especially since you do have a close relationship with your yes, family, yep. that it really just almost like set the bar on a whole other level with this capacity of thinking, oh my gosh, like, this is happening for me? Like, this is happening to me? Right. It's, it's like magic. Like, it is, it seemed like it was a, a fairy tale. Like, it was a movie. So what would you say are some of the moments that you truly felt like, oh my gosh, I have to be living a dream. Like, how is this real? I have to admit that some of the gifts that I was given during that time um, were gifts that I never thought I would be gifted. Really expensive gifts. And I remember just being like, wow, I hit the jackpot. And even with the proposal and the ring, it was so extravagant and fairy tale like. And like I said, I was just, I was swept away. So now after you guys got engaged and it was this whole fantasy proposal, tell us then what happened after that. So after we got engaged, we decided on a destination wedding. So we booked our destination wedding, which was so exciting. And then we started looking for houses. We found a house that we loved and we closed on it in the winter um, back in 2017. So we had been living separately. He was living with his parents. I was living with my parents and... This was the first time that we'd be living together. We had taken long vacations together, but we had never lived together. And I remember someone had asked me or had questioned that we'd never lived together. And I was like, oh, please. Like, I, I know him like the back of my hand. Mm -hmm. Like, it's going to be magical like everything else has been. And when we moved into the house, that was the beginning of the end that's when the shift in him happened. And I think that when you're living separate from someone, you can lead two lives or three lives. But when you move in with someone and you're sharing space and energy on a daily basis, 24 seven, 
those lives start to unravel. And that's really what was happening. So there was a shift in personality when we first moved in together. And I know that couples go through things and I know that it's not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. So that's kind of what I knocked it up to be. This was a big life change. We were moving into this house together. We were planning a wedding. You know, there was a lot of things happening. And so that's really what I, that's what I made the reasoning in my mind for this big shift. And one month before our wedding, it was a Friday night. It's a night that changed my life forever, really changed like who I was as a person forever. Um, I had went to dinner with a girlfriend and I came home and my ex was getting ready for who's in a sports league. So he was getting ready to play a game that night. And I went upstairs, got into bed, was getting ready for bed, got into bed and he kissed me goodbye. And I was falling asleep and I heard someone say three things. It was get up, go into his office and look at his Apple watch call it my intuition, call it divine intervention, call me crazy. I was told something. It wasn't something that scared me. It was something that I knew I needed to do. It was like a kind of a gentle nudge to go do this thing. So now I'm half asleep. I get up. I walk into his office. I sit down at his desk chair. And with two clicks of his Apple Watch, my whole world came shattering down. Okay. So obviously what did you find on the Apple watch? He was having an affair with his coworker who was also his boss's daughter. Mm. And we had just attended her wedding a few months prior. She was set and booked to attend our wedding a month later with her parents his um, boss and his wife. And I was in shock. It's almost like an out of body experience. Cause I can see myself sitting there and see myself just crumble into a million pieces. Right. And I don't even know that I cried in that moment. I was just numb. And then I started to shake, like my body started to shake. And the only thing I could think to do was call my sister, who is my saving grace. And she was at my house in two minutes flat. It normally takes her 10 minutes to get there. (laughs) And I remember her walking into the house and saying, Marissa, you're getting married in a month. Is this real? Like, what, what is this? And I, I said, I know, I don't like, I don't know how this could be. How could this be? And I had called him while my sister was on her way to my house. And I said, you got to come home. And he was like, why? And I was like, you just got to come home. And he was like, but why? And I said, I'm not going to ask you again. And when he walked into the house that night, he was (laughs) basically see-through. If you think of those watches where you can see all of the insides of the watch. <laughs> oh yeah. That's what like his biomechanical face or something. Yeah. Like you could see veins, you could see he was yellow in color. And he walked in and I said, I think you should sit down. And he did. 
And I remember saying, your boss's daughter? Your boss's daughter? And he basically denied it for about 15 minutes. My sister was in the kitchen listening. I don't even know if he knew she was there at that point. I'm sure he wasn't even (laughs) looking to see if anyone was there. That's for sure. So he asked to see his watch almost to see if I actually had evidence. Oh, jeez. And then after 15 minutes, he admitted it. And I remember just crying so hard and asking him why because here I am we have this fairy tale of a life we're happy happily together we just moved into this brand new beautiful home and he kept saying I don't I don't know why it's not you it's not you it I don't know why I did this and I said we're getting married in a month like how could you not have thought about me how could you not have how could you do this Mm. and he didn't have any answers he was really just blank and unemotional and that made it even worse for me oh I'm sure and I remember saying to him Maybe this was meant to happen. Maybe we're not supposed to be together. Maybe we're not soulmates. And he said, no, like, that's not true. I made a mistake. And it was such an emotional, draining night. It was one of the worst nights of my life. And then I asked him to leave, and he did. And... I was going on a work trip the following week. And I remember in the message thread between him and the girlfriend, they were talking about how I was going to be away the following week. And it just made me so sick to my stomach. Almost as if they're planning. Yeah. Like, would they have been in my house? Had she had Uh, been in my, you know, there was just so many questions. Had she had come to the wedding, would they have been at the wedding? Would they have had a little rendezvous there? Like, the thoughts, and I couldn't escape my mind. I went on the work trip. I really just tried to power through. And when I was there, I just kept talking to my sister and asking her, what should I do? Do I go through with the wedding? Do you think this is a one-time thing? Like, what do I do? I was so lost and scared, and I didn't know what would come next. And blindsided. So blindsided. Like this is a month before your wedding. Perfect world came shattering down. And to think that a month before your wedding, which for most couples is the most exciting like place to be in. Up, you're getting ready, you're having a destination wedding, all your loved ones are traveling there to witness this whole new commitment of your love. And then to have this happen obviously is soul crushing for anyone and anyone listening who has been cheated on. There's so many different reasons that people cheat, right? And we hear some of the the worst sides of it. Sometimes you never get answers. Sometimes you're just truly left blindsided of how can we be in one of the best places, but then also be going through one of the worst things to ever happen to our relationship. Now, the most challenging thing is you were put in a position of, what do I do? I have the wedding all set, ready to go. This has been the love of my life. 
So now how am I going to either decide to move forward or end it when you are also, I'm sure, looking at how you just said, is this a one-time thing? I'm looking at my whole relationship. The whole relationship's been really great. So am I going to end the relationship off of something that could be fixed? So what led you to your decision? I ultimately decided to move forward with the wedding because one, I was hopeful that we could make this work. I wanted to believe that he was better than this and this was a mistake and that we could get through this. And two is that my parents have been married for 36, 37 years and they've gone through hard times not infidelity, but just hard times like any other married couple. And they stuck it out together. And I was really inspired by that. And my family, all we know is a love that goes to the end of the earth. Like you Mm. have, you know, you give it everything you got for the people you love. Right. That's what I thought I was doing. That's what I thought I should do. So I moved forward with the wedding. And people always ask me about the wedding specifically. And the truth is, is that there's parts of it that I don't remember exactly, like standing up at the altar. There's only like bits and pieces of that that I remember. But I remember afterwards being on the dance floor with everyone that I love. And I don't even remember my ex being there. Mm. It was a night of my life that I will never forget. And it was incredible. And I, wouldn't change a thing. I'm sure maybe there was a part of it that, you know, your mind blocked out certain aspects because you were still in trigger mode. You were still in like fight or flight. You were still literally trying to ground yourself from hearing, Oh my gosh, my relationship is, is crumbling, but I also want to rebuild it. And I'm, I'm trusting the process and thinking we can get through this. We can work through this. So with you being able to have the memories of your wedding, with mostly the people that you love and not as much with him is almost like a blessing from the universe of like, okay, there was something that was going to come and happen into your life, but this is a night that you'll always cherish because of the time you had with everyone else, which I think is awesome to be able to have that gift. Definitely. But now after the wedding and leaving, how were you two? He was on his best behavior for a few months after the wedding, but that didn't last long. We had stayed together for about two years after the wedding. And the first couple months were, you know, okay, because he was on his best behavior. But then it started to unravel again. And people can't keep running from themselves. And Mm. that's what he was doing. He had, you know, he had a skeleton of people and lies and they were falling out. And In the beginning of our relationship, I was so in awe of him, of his love, of who he was as a person, of his drive. Like I thought I put him on such a pedestal. Mm. And after this happened, I lost so much respect for him. And that piece of me that was in awe of him had ultimately dissolved. And I think that he loved that piece of me that put him on that pedestal and that was no longer there. So it was you know, it was unraveling as, you know, quickly, basically. Um, 
And I felt like I was at a dead end. I didn't want my marriage to end. I, I'm a hopeless romantic. Like I believe people can get through anything. I want to believe it. So as kind of a last ditch effort, I sought out therapy to save my marriage. Well, I think what's also before you even dive into therapy, I think what people can also know and relate to is that when it comes to cheating, when it comes to difficult times in relationships and marriages, if both people are committed to putting in the work, then you absolutely can work through things. And let's say whether it's finding the darkest demons to figure out why the person stepped out of the marriage. Sometimes there is this almost like glimmer of hope, right? Right. That can actually continue to move forward as long as it's with a team effort. Right. But if it's one person wanting it so bad and the other one, maybe not putting in as much effort, that's where you just see things almost like go and derail. Exactly. So for you to almost be at that place of, okay, now like the marriage, you're, you're not happy and things are very tumultuous. What made you think like, I need to try therapy? I had exhausted all of my options within my own power. And I knew I needed some sort of professional help. I couldn't, I, like I said, I was at a dead end. There was nowhere else for me to go. So I wasn't ready to give up just yet. And I really feel like the stars aligned on the day that I reached out to you and you had availability because when I look back on that decision to seek therapy, that is a decision that changed the trajectory of my life going forward. And it's something that I am eternally grateful for. Before we even go into like her healing process, I think it is cool for people to know that Marissa and I actually went to high school together and she was a year older. And at a time, like I want to say I was maybe in ninth grade, like we became friends with mutual people. And that's how we originally met. But not that there was any fallout. It was just kind of like we went our own paths through right. life that Marissa and I most certainly are huge believers in the universe that the universe like brought us back together for a bigger reason that we even knew, which I thought was incredible because to be able to even seek therapy when you're in such a, a dark place is one of the most scariest. So scary. Steps to take. So, so scary. Now, did you have any type of like stigma or view of therapy prior to even getting to that place? Yes, I most certainly did. <laughs> I thought that I truly thought that therapy was for someone who was almost weak, like they couldn't figure it out themselves. That's when you seek therapy. And that can, that is the farthest thing from the truth. Mm -hmm. And I think if there's anything that I want people to take away from this podcast, it's that therapy can absolutely change your life. And probably similar to me, you think that it's for someone who's really down and out or weak, all those like a things. severe diagnosis. Right. And 
that is not true. You go to the doctor when you have a fever or your throat hurts, or you go to the chiropractor when your back hurts or your toothaches and you go to the dentist. So why are we not seeking professional help when it comes to our own mental health, our heart, things that we need help navigating through? We're not built to know how to navigate through these types of things. And for us to think that we know, I thought I knew. I, I, you <laughs> couldn't tell me right. any different. I knew how to save my marriage. And then I did it. And then I sought help. And I wish if I could go back in time, the only thing I would change was to be to have started therapy way earlier in my life. I love how transparent you are with just your own perception of therapy of being like, no, then I'd be weak because then I, I, that means I can't do it on my own. Where most importantly, when you're coming to therapy, most of the time it's 45 minutes to an hour once a week. Yep. That's it. So whatever you do outside of that is totally on you as an individual. Right. Right. So for you to also be like, you know what? I'm at my breaking point. I've tried to keep up the illusion. I've tried to keep up this mask of like, we're okay to everyone else, but like behind closed doors, I'm so devastated and struggling. Now, when you sought therapy, was he also aware or on board? He was aware because I did ask him and he said that he did not want to know what he would find out. And his answer was no, he would not do therapy with me. And I just moved forward for myself. And I thought that, you know, I went to therapy and I told you that I wanted to save my marriage, that we would somehow do that. And that's where I think it can be uh, conflicting for other people that are wanting to seek out help within their relationship or marriage. And their partner is not wanting to because it makes you think like, all right, then am I going against my relationship right. by doing something right. that they're not on board with? Is this going to be helpful or could this be damaging? So how did you almost like trust your gut in knowing, you know what, I have to do this regardless if he's on board or not? I was at rock, rock bottom. There was the only place to go was up from there and I needed help to go up. So it, it didn't matter one way or another because I was at the bottom. So I needed help. Right. It's almost like, you know what, if the only way is up, then it's right. going to be better than what it is right now. Exactly. Right. So I think for you, even starting your therapy session and process with the idea of I'm saving my marriage. And this is something that Marissa and I have discussed, you know, later in time that, when she started her first session with me and she was kind of going through everything that was going on, she was on that call, like, give me all the tools to make my marriage come out of this darkness, out of this hole. And I'm someone that if you're coming to me for therapy, I'm of course going to guide you for what your goals are. And it's up to you to think like, okay, what do I want out of this? But as therapists, we also see behind the scenes of what's right. going on and what truly is the best thing for you. But we're going to allow you to go through your own process and have your own awakening in that, that during that, I knew that she was here to find herself. It, it had nothing to do with her marriage and everything to do with her. So as you started like your first few sessions and you were trying to save your marriage. How is that even trying to almost like 
educate him with certain things you were learning to almost like better communication. I remember getting off of our calls and I would go into his office and I would sit on the floor and be like, okay, I just learned X, Y, and Z and we can practice it this week. And he was just checked out at that. He was blank. He was not trying to instill any of these practices in our marriage or in his life. And I think, like you said, unknowing to me, you really changed the narrative. You started to give me the tools to help work on Marissa. And I thought it was the tools to help save my marriage. (laughs) But the truth is, it was going to save my life. It was going to, you know, let me claim my life again. But at that time... I didn't know that that's what we were doing. Right. So now you started therapy and how shortly after? I started therapy in January and my ex and I ultimately called it quits in, um, at the end of March. What year was this? uh, 2021. Okay. And I think that me starting therapy also was really triggering for him. Oh yeah. He wanted to keep that closet bolted shut. Oh yeah. And we were not going to be able to do that if we were going to move forward. So I think that as soon as therapy became a reality for me, he was planning (laughs) his exit and thank God for that. Right. So now take us to the day of his exit. So we, the week, a few days prior to us ending things, he was so verbally abusive and the fighting was, it was on a whole other level. It was just unacceptable. And I remember it was a Friday and I was working from home and I remember knowing something bad was about to happen or something what something I could feel it inside of myself and he never came home from work that day and that was the end and you have to imagine that I did not tell anyone about the lies the Mm. infidelity all that had happened in the last two years besides my sister And even at that point, I was not trying to burden my sister with everything that we were going through at that point in time. So I was very isolated. And when I knew he wasn't coming home, I called my sister and I said, listen, it's over between us. I need to tell mom and dad. Mm. I need your help with this. I don't even know how to do this. I had to start to be heartbreaking for them. They loved like he he was part of our family. It was going to be so heartbreaking. Um <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. My sister, my sister said, you don't have to tell them, Marissa. Like basically telling my parents there was no going back. Like they, we love too hard to let someone hurt one of us that badly. So, right. And I knew that. I knew that. Telling them and like letting this be real and speaking this out into the universe, it was, it was the end. And my sister three-way called my mom and she said, I think you should sit down. And my mom's like, what, what's happening? What's happening? (laughs) And she said, 
um, Marissa and my ex are, her ex are breaking up and, you know, he had cheated. There was other things that had went on and my mom was like, okay, just come home. And I was sobbing on the phone. Like I, I couldn't speak. I was, I couldn't even breathe. And I remember, I don't even know how I drove from my house to their house. Cause I was crying so hard and I got there and my dad was standing in the door and he hugged me so tight. It makes me emotional. Uh-huh. And he said, it's okay, Marissa. Like we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out. And I knew that we would, cause that that's, that's who we are as a family. Like we were going to figure it out and I wasn't alone. And then my mom hugged me and we sat there, we cried for hours. Uh, and I just really walked them through the darkness. And I hated that I had to do that because I didn't want them to hurt for me, but I needed their help to close that part of my life. Um, we rallied together and we did it. Which I think to have your family be so close, so many other people in toxic relationships, including myself can relate to you hide so much. You hide so much because you want to not only protect your family, but you're also wanting to protect the image of who you're with. Definitely. Because with certain things that you didn't let them know, your family would have stepped up and been like, Marissa, what are you doing? Like, no, this is not okay. Wait, you cannot let this man go. <laughs> right. Like, uh, no, like he's literally like got to go somewhere else because he is not treating you how you deserve. And for you to immediately know within that moment, like, hey, it's over. I need love and support is probably one of the best things you could have ever done in that moment. Right. Now, with everyone even hearing how he left, I always view him leaving, not necessarily of like his choice. It was more of Marissa started facing truths and the reality. And he knew, Oh no, like this professional is going to pick up that. Like my behavior's off. Something's off with him. So I'm out before I get confronted. So I don't even view it as if, you know, he left. I view it as almost like he, like you truly were the catalyst. Like, no, I'm taking my power back. Right. And like, you're leaving because you just can't truly stand next to me because I'm about to shine so bright and your darkness can't handle it. Right. I couldn't stand in the darkness anymore. It was too, it had gone on for too long and I had lost myself completely in this relationship and trying to hide all these things and trying to make it work. I was a fraction of who I really am as a person at that point in time. Well, because you relate your identity so much to them. And that's also based on like their, their toxic behavior that you almost, you, when you're in a toxic relationship, the only way for it to continue is if you literally almost like ditch who mm-hmm. you are. Right. Because if you stay true to you, you leave. Right. And that's where a lot of people forget that when you're in these right. toxic relationships, you're not really you. It's almost like you become the shell of a person and you're keeping up with like certain appearances that like are bare minimum just right. to literally make it seem as if, okay, like I'm just showing up to this family party and we're going together and like, Things look great, but when we go home, we're not talking or we're not even having that relationship. So I was I think- going to bed alone every night for years. I was alone. 
I was so alone. Right. So what would you say was your biggest fear of getting out of the relationship? I think I had many fears. I think I was just living in a state of fear. But I was really fearful of what people outside Mm. of my relationship would think. I think that there is this really weird stigma around cheating. Like what didn't she do? What was she not providing? And that couldn't be any farther from the truth of what was happening in my relationship. But I was, I, I didn't want to face that from, you know, I thought that's what I would face from outsiders. And my whole life was built around this man. It was where I lived. It's where I slept. It's, you know, every, every piece of my life felt like it was revolved around him and it was change is scary. So I was so fearful of any type of change, but when everything crumbled and fell to the ground, nothing in my life changed besides the fact that he was no longer in my life. Mm. And I, I just want to share that with everyone because nothing changed. Nothing about my reality changed. It felt like the universe was just putting one thing in front of the other so that I could continue to lead this life, get the help that I needed, and to just move forward in such a profound way. Right. Almost like you removed the biggest block. So the universe was there to be like, okay, good. You got rid of it. Now we're going to literally fill you with so much abundance. So when you embarked on your own healing journey, because obviously people who have been able to get out of toxic relationships, again, including myself, you, you literally are starting from the ground and building yourself back up that right. it can be viewed as one of the scariest, the hardest work that you'll ever do, but truly to be able to define, learn, love, figure out who you are is the most empowering moment that stays with you for life. I don't think there is anything more empowering in this life than being on this self healing, self worth, self journey. It has transformed me as a person and it has opened so many beautiful doors for me that were closed for so long because I had this negative toxic block in my life and I know that there are other people that are so fearful to leave a relationship, leave a marriage because of what the other side looks like. But if I could show you a snippet of what your reality would look like when you get rid of and remove the things that no longer align with you, you would run out of that relationship and that marriage so fast. Mm -hmm. But I was you and I know how hard it is to leave and to think about change. But had I know... Then what I know now, I would have never stayed for that long because it has, my healing journey has catapulted me into the happiest place in my life, the most aligned place in my life. And no money, no person can buy this type of peace. Right. So throughout that, like even how you even said in the beginning, right, you're the values and things that you truly looked at, like, Oh, like I need this. Like I need the house. I need like the life I need, like almost like the, the 
black and white yes. like idea of oh this is what means like happy for you to then do the internal work you recognize that like happiness is within you all these external things they can be bonuses or perks but they don't define or create happiness like it comes from within you so for so many other people who have gotten into toxic relationships most of the time it is because you're big in love you want love so bad. Like you want love right. more than anything else in the world that you will look past any way that someone's treating you, even if it's the worst treatment ever, because you're conditioned to think I need to have someone by my side or I need to feel loved. But in these moments, you're not even feeling no. loved. You're so alone. And that's literally the worst type of loneliness to go through is being alone with someone. Definitely. I would very much rather be alone by myself than in a relationship and be feeling that alone. Right. So with you going on your self-love journey, what do you feel like has been some of the best things that you've learned or found out about yourself? That's a hard question because there's so much that I have learned. Um... I think the biggest thing for me is that I feel so much happiness and peace and alignment within myself. And that radiates through every sector of your life. So I am a better Marissa for my job, for my family, for my friends, for myself, for all the things. And it's hard to explain Did you even think that you'd be able to be feeling how you are today without someone making you feel that way other than you? Never. If you told me three years ago, two years ago, that I could be this happy by myself, I would never believe you. I thought that part of your purpose is to get married and like have love. And maybe that is part of some somewhere down the line is part of your purpose, but that is not your whole purpose. And I think that being in this chapter of my life, having healed for two years, I am in such alignment with the universe and with what I'm calling in for myself and with what I want With you dating and now being like, you know what? I'm no longer dating. I totally think that has to do with you've literally, for the first time in your life, been able to be in a relationship with yourself. Yeah, I'm not seeking any type of love or validation from someone else. And I think that that part of my life is going to align in a beautiful way in the right time. And I am so okay with that. I'm so happy. And people will ask, like, are you dating? And I'm like, I'm so happy. <laughs> like, that's my response. I'm like, ask me if I'm happy. Right. And think about it. I think it's so funny that she just said this because one of the hardest questions yeah. that I know you had a hard time answering and so many other clients is when I say, well, what makes you happy? Or who are you? Right. Or like, what are qualities that you would define yourself? And a lot of these qualities are what makes you happy. We totally connected to external of doing things for other people. Right. That 
now for you to be like, no, I know who I am. I know what makes me happy. And that does not require me to have any relationship with anyone else. Exactly. It has nothing to do with anyone else besides myself. Which is the most beautiful place to be in because you know that no one can ever again strip you of who you are because you've built yourself up to be this incredible person that's so strong and resilient that no one that would come walking up with like a million red flags wouldn't even have a chance. Right. Because now you're able to identify too of like, I'm good. I don't need yeah, it. I don't definitely. even want. I love, love having boundaries. Now I love saying no. It Two years ago, I was saying yes to everything and everyone. And now I'm in a place where if it doesn't align with me, if I don't want that energy in my energy, I am saying no, thank you. And that's okay. Right. And I think for now you to be living more in alignment with who you are and what you want, it also allows you to truly have this perspective of ditching like who cares about the timeline? Who cares what other people think? Who cares that now, like I'm starting the best chapter of my life because at the end of the day, it's just awesome that you're even able to start this chapter. Definitely. I feel so grateful to be in a space where I can be here. Right. And that was because you took that huge leap. I'm like, you know what? Whatever's on the other side has to be better than this. And like, I need to figure out what that is, no matter how hard crippling all of that is. Right. Because obviously, like the self-work, that healing journey in the beginning, of course, it's dark and it's hard and it's draining and it's emotional and it's exhausting and it's all the deep feelings. Right. But after you overcome that, it literally leads you into this like enlightenment period that you just forever hold with you. Definitely. Right. So for anyone that maybe is struggling in a toxic relationship to get out of, for anyone who just got out of one, for anyone who's truly struggling with like who they are, what would your advice be? My advice would be to seek therapy because that was the most impactful decision that I made in this piece of my life, in my healing journey. And I know that people are probably thinking all the things that you think about therapy, all the reasons why you don't want to, but I just challenge you to go and do it and give it a chance because it changed my life. It transformed me. It saved my life. And you don't have to be at rock bottom to seek professional help. Mm. And I wish I knew that back then, but I know that now. And the truth is, is that I don't ever think I'll not be in therapy because on a daily, weekly basis, we're navigating through all different types of things that we don't know how to handle. And that's when I seek your help and I need your guidance. And it allows me to be a better communicator, a better person and show up in a way that I couldn't on my own. And I think I just, I share therapy with everyone. I'm such an advocate for therapy. I think if anyone's ever spoken to me, I've probably pitched therapy (laughs) on them, but it really has transformed my life. And if, if I could share this piece of happiness that I am in this chapter that I am in with them, you would go seek therapy and you would want to get here too. And you can. I think just for you to even say all of that, so many people need to hear that 
You don't really have to wait until you're in crisis. You don't have to wait no. until you're at rock bottom. Like if you're genuinely recognizing I'm not happy, I'm struggling with my emotions. I don't know how to cope through life. Just literally make the call because at the end of the day, you'll be able to figure out most importantly who you are, but also you'll be able to rip out the deep roots right? to, to end the patterns that keep creating until we recognize like, all right, this seems similar. Right. And you have been able to break these cycles. So First and foremost, obviously, I'm so grateful that you came on and shared your story because I think your story is so incredible. But now for everyone listening, if you were also thinking like, hmm, okay, like I want her to go like a little bit more into detail. And there may have been some of you like, all right, why aren't they like tapping into like the nitty gritty? This isn't that one day we won't be saying that. But there is a reason that we had to kind of put some boundaries up with what we shared And now I think it's very, very important for Marissa to share with all of you a big announcement. I do have some exciting news. So excited. I am a first time author. I am publishing my book this early fall, late summer. And it is called I Am. And it's everything that I've been I felt I've been through the last 10 years so it's really like a journey in my shoes to this beautiful beautiful place that I am now I mean honestly even just you saying it out loud I'm chilled to the core because for Marissa to even be having this announcement on my podcast like I even just feel so honored and I'm so proud of her because this literally was never in her vision of what she wanted out of life. And she literally took her pain and made it into a freaking book that is going to be so incredible for so many people to read and just learn firsthand from your own healing journey. Definitely. Ah, so I'm totally putting it out there for the universe that she's absolutely going to be a New York Times bestselling author. She gets annoyed when I say it, but I know that that's what's going to happen because the book is that freaking good. And I only know that because I've been able to watch her journey and her heal throughout it. So every single page of this book, I know that anyone who purchased this is going to have a very difficult time putting it down and not wanting to stop. Thank you. I want to say thank you to you because I wouldn't even be in this space, in this energy, if it wasn't for you and for therapy and the book would not even be a thing if it wasn't for you. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thanks, Maris. Guys, that wraps up this incredible episode. So please stay tuned because there's no doubt in my mind after the book comes out, I will have her back on and we will be talking about all the nitty gritty details that you guys are wanting more of. So until then, thank you so much for showing and sharing your journey. Thank you, too. Thank you for intentionally listening to the Happy Place for Your Mind podcast. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Happy Place for Your Mind. Until next time, always remember to live in alignment with who you are.